0: All right, this evening we are in Acts 25, as we ended last week uh, with Acts 24, Uh, and we're going to start with prayer, and then we're going to go right to it. All right, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, O Christ our God, open our minds and hearts to your holy word. Uh, Enable us to see your servant Paul. Enable us to be encouraged by him, to see his example, to follow his courage, Uh, And we to seek to imitate him and his life in such a way that we understand or at least feel your providence and understand that you are the God, the creator, who holds us within the the hollow of your hand, but are also standing beside us in the midst of turmoil or chaos. May you guide us. Uh, throughout the rest of this evening for a sinless and perfect night as much as is possible as we cooperate with your holy spirit and as to you we pray father son and holy spirit amen amen all right god bless philip's food (laughs) (laughs) philip is with us but eating and reed is with us uh but if anybody's watching the video there's no video feed at this moment it's just my lovely face so um (laughs) i will go ahead and read because i might be the only person who's actually looking at a screen right now i don't know if that's true do you want to start reading or would you like me to read or
1: oh sure i can go ahead
0: all right let's let's go ahead and read the first 12 verses
1: okay Now when Festus had come into his province, after three days he went up to Jerusalem from Caesarea. And the chief priests and the principal men of the Jews informed him against Paul. And they urged him, asking as a favor, to have the man sent to Jerusalem, planning an ambush to kill him on the way. Festus replied that Paul was being kept at Caesarea, and that he himself intended to go there shortly. So he said, Let the men of authority among you go down with me, and if there is anything wrong about the man, let them accuse him. When he had stayed among them not more than eight or ten days, he went down to Caesarea, and the next day he took his seat on the tribunal and ordered Paul to be brought. And when he had come, the Jews who had gone down from Jerusalem stood about him, bringing against him many serious charges which they could not prove. Paul said in his defense, Neither against the law of the Jews, nor against the temple, nor against Caesar have I offended at all. But Festus, wishing to do the Jews a favor, said to Paul, Do you wish to go up to Jerusalem and there be tried on these charges before me? But Paul said, I am standing before Caesar's tribunal where I ought to be tried. To the Jews I have done no wrong, as you know very well. If then I am a wrongdoer and have committed anything for which I deserve to die, I do not seek to escape death. But if there is nothing in their charges against me, no one can give me up to them. I appeal to Caesar. Then Festus, when he had conferred with his council, answered, you have appealed to Caesar to Caesar. You shall go.
0: Man, they really have it out for Paul. <laughs> they do. They've got guys who I don't know if they've eaten yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's probably why they wanted Festus to send him along to Drew, Jer- uh, on the way to Jerusalem. So those guys could eat finally. Um, of course, referring to those who made the, the vow to not eat until Paul was dead. Um, but I was so Festus is more of a politician here, and yeah. more so than I'm already forgetting the, the name of the fellow. Last, um, who is he standing before? Felix. Y- yes, that's why I'm confused. They're Felix and Festus. Good grief. Yeah. <laughs> so Felix is, he's still a politician. He's still looking for the payout. But there <laughs> yeah. seems to be something about Paul that gets to him. Festus, he's looking to who he can do favors for. And I think it seems to me that basically with Paul pulling the Caesar um, route, Festus realizes that he's kind he doesn't, He has an excuse as to why he doesn't have to send Paul back to Jerusalem. Yeah. So he's like, fine, you appeal to Caesar. I wish I could use you as a way to get a favor, but you're going to go to Caesar. (laughs) I don't know if there's anything else really about these. This little, these few verses that jumps out at me. What about you, Reed?
1: Well, yeah, there's a lot of wanting to do favors for each other. Um,
0: it's very like politics.
1: Yep. Yeah, these things about all of these charges, which they cannot prove, and it's like, oh, this sounds like the headlines this
0: week. <laughs> well, read and last week and the week before and the week before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't matter who who who's in charge, right? Right. Every side. So, I do think it's Paul's sense of justice uh, it's fascinating you know for somebody who's supposedly against the law it's the ones who want to uphold the righteousness of the temple and the law who want to go to every possible extent of subverting law and justice to kill, kill. paul well paul is just you know like trying to uphold like basic what seems to be a division of labor here it's like this issue is not under the jurisdiction of the jews in jerusalem i should be standing here uh and in fact you know what i'm okay uh if i have to die for something he's like i'm I'm okay having to follow the law um as a jew uh but if there's something here you know he for the picture of paul as a kind of um because you can get this in some scholarly literature where he's kind of like a cowboy or like a rebel. I don't really get the picture of Paul as a rebel. I get the picture as Paul is very convicted about who Jesus Christ is and what that means for uh, the church and Gentile and Jews being together in one body and that the Jews keep the things that they do, but that the Gentiles don't need to do that.
1: Hmm.
0: He seems to be very much okay. Like here, if I did something wrong, okay, then I, you know, then I deserve to 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 die.
1: Right. Yeah, he seems to be saying, "Look, I've I've been following everyone's rules. I haven't exactly. done any, I haven't done anything wrong to anyone." And you get the impression he has a pretty good idea that the Jews are still trying to kill him on the way because he remembers how they were already planning to do that before. Right.
0: And again, the echo, I mean, who else stood before various tribunals and was innocent? Right, Paul was innocent. Paul didn't do anything. <laughs> All he I mean, so the thing that he's actually guilty of is the thing that the Jews can't actually prosecute him on. That he believes that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. Right so I guess he's guilty on that charge.
1: Well, and I do wonder, too, because, you know, we we read, I think it was last week, how the Lord had stood beside Paul right after his arrest and told him that he still had to testify in Rome, and I wonder if he's thinking, hey, I know a way to get to Rome.
0: Yes, I think Paul is smart enough to do that. I also think the idea of testify, I think that's the word that was used, right, because that's, there in 24, let me see. I think quick. that's right, yes. Where does it say that? Oh, that must be 23. Yes, it may have been right at the end. There it is, verse 11 and 23. 23. The following night, the Lord stood by him and said, Take courage, for as you have testified about me at Jerusalem, you shall bear witness also at Rome. So, testify, witness. That's just, he's doing exactly what he's supposed to do. Uh uh-huh. The Lord. Should we go ahead and move to the next few verses? That sounds good. All right. Um, go ahead and read. You know what? Let's just go ahead and finish the chapter.
1: Okay. Now, when some days had passed, Agrippa the king and Bernice arrived at Caesarea to welcome Festus. And as they stayed there many days, Festus laid Paul's case before the king, saying, There is a man left prisoner by Felix. And when I was at Jerusalem, the chief priests and the elders of the law, elders of the Jews, gave information about him, asking for sentence against him. I answered them that it is not the custom of the Romans to give up anyone before the accused met the accusers face to face, and had the opportunity to make his defense concerning the charge laid against him when therefore they came together here i made no delay but on the next day took my seat on the tribunal and ordered the man to be brought in when the accusers stood up they brought no charge in his case of such evils as i supposed but they had certain points of dispute with him about their own superstition and about one jesus who was dead but whom paul asserted to be alive being at a loss how to investigate these questions I asked whether he wished to go to Jerusalem and be tried there regarding them but when Paul had appealed to be kept in custody for the decision of the emperor I commanded him to be held until I could send him to Caesar and Agrippa said to Festus I should like to hear the man myself tomorrow said he you shall hear him so on the morrow Agrippa and Bernice came with great pomp and they entered the audience hall with the military tribunes and the prominent men of the city Then by command of Festus, Paul was brought in and Festus said, King Agrippa and all who are present with us, you see this man about whom the whole Jewish people petitioned me both at Jerusalem and here, shouting that he ought not to live any longer. But I found that he had done nothing deserving death. And as he himself appealed to the emperor, I decided to send him. But I have nothing definite to write to my Lord about him. Therefore, I have brought him before you. And especially before you king agrippa that after we have examined him i may have something to write for it seems to me unreasonable in sending a prisoner not to indicate the charges against him <laughs> oh
0: you get the impression he's at a complete loss here yeah it's kind of like um i don't know how i would probably feel if i grew up in was some outer um guard or lieutenant in like the royal army the, the british army in somewhere nowhereville like india or pakistan uh mm-hmm. at a certain time and in trying then suddenly needing to be involved with some kind of <laughs> local disturbance that has religion attached to it and just right. being like what I mean, they may, the, Luke makes it clear that Felix knew something about Judaism being married to a Jew. just mm-hmm. doesn't seem to understand what's going on. Right. Besides the fact that he doesn't have anything to write to uh, the C- Caesar about. Mm-hmm. What do you make of uh, Agrippa and Bernice coming in with great pomp? Why, why does Luke underline that? And into the, the audience hall with the military tribunes and prominent men of the city. Why do you, I'm just, I'm always interested in these the little things that typically get passed over, but seem to portray, there's something going on. And why is he betraying them, portraying them like that? Yeah, I, nothing immediately
1: leaps to mind, though that sentence in general, it seems as though here the Lord has arranged that. All the prominent men of the city and a number of other folks are going to hear Paul preach about Jesus.
0: Right. And
1: I don't know, maybe it's just, oh, this was a big festive affair. Yeah. And in comes Paul.
0: You know, Josephus writes about both of these guys. Oh, really? Josephus writes about, no, three of them. He writes about Felix, Festus, and Agrippa.
1: Oh, that's interesting.
0: Yeah. Josephus is always interesting just to get just a little bit more information. It's been a long time since I've read Josephus. I've never read the whole thing all the way through, but... So I think I should probably clarify. So Josephus was a author, um, a who is not Jewish, but wrote about uh, this time period. He writes about Jesus, even not very much, but he writes about the different Roman governors and the disturbance of Christianity. So it's it's a very uh, leaned on source for New Testament studies. Just for those who don't know who Josephus is, Josephus is not Jewish. Out of my mind, he's not. I could be completely wrong.
1: I thought you'd heard... Like I said, I heard it's been was, a while
0: since I... Was I thought he, I had heard that
1: he was a, a Jew who had sort of become a thoroughgoing Roman.
0: Yes, you are correct. Yep. I don't know why I had in my head, he wasn't. He wrote notable works, the Jewish war. Um, let's see here. The Jewish war and the antiquities of the Jews.
1: I think I've heard that he wrote it very much
0: from a Roman standpoint, pointing out the the, the faults of the Jews. <laughs> yes. And also to try and explain the Jews. <laughs> Because to a Roman, they're weird. Well, yeah, you get the impression that
1: Festus is just completely perplexed about what on earth he's dealing with. But he does seem to have a very definite sense of justice here.
0: Yes. And order. Yes. Shall we go into the next chapter? Sounds good. All right i'll go ahead and read just to just to shake it up a little oh thank you um acts 26 starting verse one agrippa said to paul you have permission to speak for yourself then paul stretched out his hand and made his defense i think myself fortunate that, as before you king agrippa that i am to make my defense today against all the accusations of the jews because you are especially familiar with all customs and controversies of the jews therefore i beg you to listen to me patiently My manner of life from my youth, spent from the beginning among my own nation and at Jerusalem, is known by all the Jews. They have known for a long time that they are willing to testify that according to the strictest party of our religion, I have lived as a Pharisee. And now I stand here on trial for hope in the promise made by God to our fathers, to which our 12 tribes hope to attain, as they earnestly worship night and day. And for this hope I am accused by Jews, O King. Why is it thought incredible by any of you that God raises the dead?" I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things in opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And I did so in Jerusalem. I not only shut up many of the saints in prison by authority from the chief priests, but when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. And I punished them often in all the synagogues and tried to make them blaspheme and in raging fury against them. I persecuted them even to foreign cities. Thus, I journeyed to Damascus with the authority and the commission of the chief priests At midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining round me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It hurts you to kick against the goads. And I said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you to serve and bear witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you. Delivering you from the people and from the Gentiles to whom I send you, to open their eyes, that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Wherefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those at Damascus, then at Jerusalem, and throughout all the country of Judea, and also to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God and perform deeds worthy of their repentance. For this reason, the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. To this day, I have had the help that comes from God. And so I stand here testifying both to small and great, saying nothing but what the prophets and Moses said would come to pass, that the Christ must suffer and that by being the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light both to the people and to the Gentiles. so paul gives his conversion account again right <laughs> again oh philip's done eating i'm back it's it, it's interesting to me that it, uh
1: in uh, verse one we have paul stretched out his hand and made his defense um He didn't really defend himself a whole lot in this, did he? I mean, it seems almost like he's just presenting uh, an account of how he came to uh, uh, Christianity and uh, kind of offers
0: a little mini gospel there. I think his defense is is, is a positive message. He's like, this is what I'm all about. It's not what I'm being, all the charges that are being trumped up about me are. And in fact, um, all that I'm trying to do, as he says in verse, um, sorry, I scrolled up, verse 22, that nothing he says is anything but what the prophets and Moses said would come to pass, that Christ must suffer being raised from the dead, he would proclaim light both to the people and to the Gentiles. It's not controversial. The, the controversy is whether or not that's actually Jesus. I thought, Philip, you're going to say that in verse one, where it says that Paul stretched out his hand and made his defense, that it's like, why do you stretch out his hand? Why does it tell us that? Well, that is an interesting point. I think that's just rhetoricians at the time they, like today, right? Like they they were taught how to even hold their bodies when they spoke. So there might be an indication that Paul had also had some uh, taught some rhetoric, had been taught some rhetoric. Now I'm wondering exactly how he's stretched out his hand. I don't know. I don't know why Reed is muted. Doesn't say you're muted, Reed. I've seen a lot. There you go.
1: Okay. I'm trying to pretend like I can use all this high-tech stuff and it sometimes doesn't work. I understand. But I think we've seen this at least two other times in Acts that someone was going to speak and it says first of all he motioned with his hand
0: yep we don't teach people how to speak anymore in public (laughs) that was that was one of the major things that you did in the ancient world in the Greco-Roman world (laughs) it would behoove us to do it again but that's a whole other conversation (laughs) well I will raise my hand to make a defense of rhetoric. (laughs) But there's nothing really about what Paul says here that really jumps out at me besides what he's already said. Does any of this bring up for you commentary or a question or...
1: Well, it strikes me this seems like he gives more detail about the the event on the Damascus Road than we've seen elsewhere. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know, I don't recall this line about it, it hurts for you to kick against the goads. And you know, which makes it seem as though somehow the Lord had already been pushing saul in this way and he was fighting very hard against it yes and it's interesting the lord spoke to him in the hebrew language i wonder if this was to make that. it more palatable
0: yes it didn't hmm. say it in chapter 22. doesn't say that in 22. That's interesting. Should we go to Festus's response to uh, the great learned Paul?
1: Well, I also think it's interesting that when when Paul was persecuting the church, he says that he was not only trying to kill them, but he was trying to make them blaspheme. And it seems like this was something that the pagans often did in the centuries of persecution as they tried to get the Christians to curse Christ or at least worship the other gods. It wasn't enough just to get rid of them. They wanted to have them speak against the faith.
0: Right. To kind of like almost like catch them in some kind of um, inconsistency that would show that they're actually not being faithful, but that they're blaspheming. Mm-hmm.
1: And it's interesting, too, uh, to see what Paul preached that people ought to do as a response. It's like, what was it, to repent and to prove their repentance by good
0: deeds? Verse 20, that they should repent, turn to God, and perform deeds worthy of their repentance.
1: Which seems like John the Baptist. Yep. You know, it's... It's strikingly, it's not, you know, pray a sinner's prayer and... <laughs>
0: <clears throat> no, there's some action involved here.
1: But in particular, maybe that he's dealing with... It's interesting, this maybe is the first time we've really seen him deal with an audience that is both Roman and
0: As opposed to earlier sermons that were just to Jews. And then also, like um, in Acts uh, in Athens, uh, the Areopagus. Right. Now we have Paul, who is being very specific, but he also does a great job of summarizing things. You know, the prophets and Moses foretold the Christ that there's a Messiah, that he's going to suffer, he's going to rise. From the dead and that he'd proclaim light both to the people and to the gentiles now that's quite that's actually quite a a, um claim i don't think it's as much a claim to for that time to claim that messiah was going to suffer i do think it's a bit of a claim to, to claim that that it was obvious that that meant the first to rise from the dead uh and also There's some sense that you get from the prophets about light for the people and the Gentiles, but not to the extent, I mean, the Christians are having issues with this. The Jewish Christians are having issues with this, but Paul is just like, this is what the prophets and Moses said would come to pass. Mm Mm-hmm. I do, I'm also just thinking here of, <laughs> we've had a lot of visions in the book of Acts. We've had, in some ways, the, um, the first vision, and Pentecost even kind of has some visiony aspects to it by, or at least apocalyptic, like something is occurring there's the wind, there's the fire, the tongues of fire, and there's an event happening. Then you have Stephen, where he sees a vision of Christ in the heavens, the Ancient of Days. You have Peter and his vision. Paul has multiple, I mean, he has his Road to Damascus vision, but you know, has smaller visions here and there. Um... I think I'm just underlining the reality of how he takes in our day and age, if we're having a debate about what texts mean and somebody says, well, I had this heavenly vision and this is the meaning that I find for this text, partly because of this heavenly vision. I think most of us would um, discount But for Paul, this heavenly vision, and I mean, he talks about later in Corinthians, well, I mean, it's the general consensus that Paul's talking about himself when he says, I know a man in Christ, you caught up to the third heavens, that the unveiling or the opening up, like we saw at the uh, the baptism of the Lord of the heavens, there's a vision that occurs. This is... um, normative and it's something that is actually moving Paul along and he would needed to be obedient to the vision or otherwise he would be untruthful unfaithful Hmm. so verse 24 I'll go ahead and read to the end of this chapter And as he thus made his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you are mad. Your great learning is turning you mad. Paul said, I am not mad, most excellent Festus, but I am speaking the sober truth. For the king knows about these things, and to him I speak freely, for I am persuaded that none of these things have escaped his notice, for this was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you believe. Agrippa said to Paul, in a short time, you think to make me a Christian. And Paul said, whether short or long, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me this day become might become such as I am, except for these chains. Then the king rose and the governor and Bernice and those who were sitting with him. And when they had withdrawn, they said to one another, this man is doing nothing to deserve death or imprisonment. But Agrippa said to Festus, this man could have could have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. So the earthly King is going to fulfill whether or not he wants to the the will of the heavenly King
1: <laughs>
0: by sheer fact of existing. Uh, Christ is going to use Caesar. I love just this exchange. you know, you're mad. Oh, well, I'm just telling the truth. And then Agrippa piping in saying, you think you can make me a Christian in such a short time? And Paul's just, I want everybody to be a Christian. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: I think it's interesting that Festus breaks in right after Paul has reiterated that Christ has risen from the dead, which was the same point at Mars Hill at which the, the crowds began to mock him, most of them. hmm this seems to have been an idea that was particularly preposterous to
0: the culture of the time. Why do you think Bethesda thinks that it is Paul's great learning that's made him mad? Why not this, the, your, your experience or your heavenly vision or these Christians have gotten into you, they've corrupted you?
1: I don't know. I mean, it strikes me that this is an idea that goes around from time to time that people who spend, you know, too much time in the books break their brains or something.
0: Uh
1: Like you can only take so much
0: and you've overdone. (laughs) Does that sound like Paul? uh, That doesn't really sound like Paul to me. What great learning and Paul I definitely yeah. think that Paul exhibits great learning. It would happen is the way he's talking. But I guess I'm just a little surprised at what, what Festus is actually responding. Like what it is that makes him say that.
1: I mean, I do wonder if it's simply the claim that Christ rose from the dead.
0: Yeah, that might be it.
1: No one but a madman could believe that.
0: Let's see here. This is 26, right? No, end of 25. Yes, so, I mean, this isn't, I'm not looking at a Bible, but I'm just looking at a kind of commentary type thing. And it's saying Festus is, uh, giving homage to the mastery of Greco-Roman rhetoric that Paul is doing because he stretches out his hand in rhetorical flair, which it says. I didn't read that <laughs> beforehand. at least. <laughs>
1: um,
0: but festus is reacting to what an educated Roman would give to foreign and barbarian concepts, such as the resurrection. So Paul could have been set free, but he got entr- uh, ensnared in legalese. So now he's got to go to Caesar. Be careful when you get involved with the law, right?
1: <laughs>
0: Indeed. If only if David is here.
1: Though I wonder if being set free would have been a very quick death sentence.
0: That's fair, too. With all the ambushes and yeah. just so forth. Just ask the hungry Jews. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. <laughs> should we keep moving moving this is like the fastest we've ever gone <laughs> Well, and uh, <laughs> for the sake of for the sake of David that's not because David wait is because he'll listen to this he'll be like you went faster because I wasn't there I was like no <laughs> <laughs> oh, just David. because the text is giving itself that it's just a little bit it's a little repetitive, and it's kind of driving home the same points. And I'm sure we're missing a little bit of nuance here, but I think we've got the basic story down. Should we go into 27? Well,
1: let me just mention, I do wonder if there's a bit of humor in Paul's defense, where at some point he says, so I've been preaching that people should repent and, you know, prove their repentance by their good deeds. And for this, the Jews are seeking to kill me.
0: Right. <laughs> sure. Yes. I would perhaps uh, think we should uh, hold off. You want to hold off? Why, Philip? Well, David, Erica. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) (laughs) Although Deacon Raphael, I know, is listening to us via the podcast afterwards. So... Yeah, I think it's fine. We just did two chapters, so that's fine. Well, this will be a short one,
1: and there is a real transition as we go into chapter twenty-seven.
0: Yes, yes. True. I don't, I don't think we could cover all of twenty-seven the time that we have left. So, Philip, good call. I'm going to stop the sharing now. Uh, I hope everyone enjoyed our reading aloud of Acts and a little bit of commentary tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see here.